Hey, before the show starts. Why are you pointing at me, Tim? Say something. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. Of course. It's my turn. If you happen to be one of those people who hates spoilers, just automatically assume any movie that you hear us mention or TV show. We will be spoiling, so beware. Bingo. So once you see those movies, you can come back and join in the fun. But really, why haven't you watched these yet? I mean, what are you doing with your life? Love you guys. Bye. Jeez, what a suck up. Greetings, fellow listeners, and also you, my co-host, Tim. Yeah, hi. Welcome to a special transmission, just for you. Just for you, the public. Right. That's Tim, I'm Derek, and this is Transmissions from the Forbidden Planet. What's the topic? And we're going to be discussing um, fantasy villains. Villains, yeah, we're going to talk about the fantasy villains anyway. You know, fantasy. So just to kind of narrow it down, because obviously villains would could cover like an 18-hour episode. Right, and we, we're not doing that on here. No, this is going to be a nice, uh, a, a br- uh, quick little show talking about a few things that we want to talk about. That's right. Villains, that we all love them, right? Yeah, well. You're supposed to, you're supposed to not like them, but uh, we all kind of tend to really end up liking them yeah i mean there's some major ones throughout the years for sure and there's some number one picks that are always on the list of everyone knows who they are or what they're about or knows Mm -hmm. the image so yeah i think that's mostly what we're going to talk about today yeah we're Uh, picking a handful just a just a tiny little that's a spoonful of them and we're gonna yes a spoonful of villains (laughs) helps the crime go down yeah, we're gonna pick stuff and f- f- stuff from our uh, our our wheelhouses of expertise. Yep. Whether it be uh, uh, some comic book villains, me, and Star Wars villains, which is both of us, but mostly me. Mostly you, yes. Yeah, and uh, I think we should start off with um, a number one, right? A number one. All right then, Mr. Freeze, Batman and Robin, 1997. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold. To your pleas of mercy. There he is. Oh, the lovable, snuggable Darth Vader. Ah, uh, you mean a- Anakin? It's Anakin Skywalker. Yes. Are you an angel? <laughs> <laughs> so, Darth Vader, he's a badass, right? And as we know, he is a, a child who was supposedly born of the Force, immaculately concepted with no father. Um, How is that possible? I know. It's just like uh, Captain Jesus of uh, <laughs> Israel. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who's that? Uh, <laughs> uh, the great prophecy of the Force is that a uh, a child born of immaculate conception. They don't use that term in the movie. They right. say uh, of is born and will bring balance to the Force. Right. Right. And he goes through his training and all that stuff. All the while, you know. Growing up with no father figure, Qui-Gon Jinn becomes the father figure. Right. Uh, who would probably, and who was also a little uh, divorced from the Jedi Council, so not quite as hooked up in the dogma, but uh, he ends up getting killed pretty quickly. Right. Kind of diverting the um, responsibility to Obi-Wan, who's young and inexperienced and is um, a slave to the Jedi Council. Right. You know, all along. Um, Darth Sidious, who is living a uh, hidden life as uh, Senator Palpatine, who works his way up to becoming Emperor Palpatine, right. taking his wing and kind of guiding him, you know what I mean? And right. uh, until he eventually falls and um, becomes Darth Vader. Right. Plus, he makes that fatal mistake of challenging Obi-Wan when clearly Obi-Wan has the higher ground. <laughs> yeah, which uh, obviously was a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Having already lost one arm against uh, Count Dooku, he ends up losing everything else. <laughs> right. Yeah, and burns up. And and burns up. Right. And he's already been he's already been knighted as Darth Vader at that point. Right. So. Um, but he's burnt and everything, and so Palpatine finds him, and he ends up saying, "We can rebuild him. We have the technology." <laughs> right. So ultimately, that's the backstory. Essentially, he, you know, they put him in a, a a suit that he can survive in—an extremely iconic suit. So, but but the, what happens to him though, uh, by Obi Wan cutting him up to pieces and him being kind of half machine, uh, he loses his ability to. Um, because of the, you know, obviously his metachlorian count is lowered at that point. He's not quite as strong in the Force as he was when he was fully human. When he was whole, right. Yeah, yeah. which is also the reason why he can't do Force lightning. Because he doesn't have oh. he doesn't have hands. I never even thought of that. That is yeah. the, that's the story behind that. And um, That's crazy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. He's redesigned, <laughs> yeah. given a, a sleek new costume. Right. And, uh... A breathing machine so that he can because his lungs were burned on on uh mustafar as he was as his body his <laughs> his little uh doormat body is caught on fire <laughs> in the lava so um but i mean like just since you mentioned it you got to give props to whoever came up with that whether it's out of george lucas's brain or whatever it was that came up with that breathing thing which is basically the music for Jaws. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know that that's an iconic sound that everyone know. You hear that, yeah. and everyone knows it. Every, I mean, that defines kind of this villain character. You know, right, right. And I, it was uh, Ben Burt who created the breathing sound by taking a very small of, of the time, a very small microphone into a uh, scuba uh, regulator and recording it that way, and then slowing down the oh. time of it and all that stuff. And that's how he. That's how he created that sound. Beautiful. Yeah. Literally helps create a legend. Without that, I, 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 not that, that Darth Vader loses 
what he he is but i think it takes it easily shaves off about 20 30 percent of what he is you know what i mean because that really pronounces who that is in the room you know without seeing a a, a lick of of any kind of footage you just play that and you mm-hmm. know exactly what you're about to see who mm-hmm. you're gonna you know what i mean well and what's really cool about it and when you see him in you know the first movie episode four you can kind of hear that the breathing is still going on while he's talking right and it's telling you that uh you know there's some mechanisms going on there that is keeping him alive without necessarily having to supposedly if you take the mask off he can barely talk because his voice box and and uh lungs are so badly damaged you know he doesn't have too much trouble at the end of jedi getting what he wants to say to luke out but (laughs) yeah right right yeah right but um and and his last words outside the helmet to Obi Wan are, are are pretty guttural. I hate you. <laughs> yeah. I hate you. What is it about the guy though? What is it? I guess it's uh, for obviously it's design of the suit. Right. The helmet. And, the way that even looks, you know. Because mm-hmm. when you when you're a kid, I don't know about you, but when you first see him, I was like, is he a robot? Yeah. I, well, a lot of us thought that, well, yeah, because I right. saw the movie. I'm I'm born in '72, so I'm old enough to have seen the movie originally when it came out in its May release of uh, 1977. Awesome. And and um, that was kind of you know obviously that movie was the talk of the neighborhood for three years. Right. And 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 that was one of you know same with the stormtroopers. You didn't we didn't quite understand whether they were people or not. Right. Yeah, but uh, I think the breathing though is supposed to let you know that there's yeah. a man in there and there Makes are sense. some scenes yeah. there are some scenes you can see where you can see human eyes behind the red uh glow of the the, the red tint of his lenses so you, you have all of these things coming together to make one of you know one of the most iconic villainous characters but the icing on the cake is james Earl jones so you have accepted the truth yeah, exactly, right. The voice has has a lot to do with it. Uh, it was sp- I think originally they wanted to get Orson Welles and <laughs> something about that didn't work out. I don't right. remember why it didn't work out, but um, I could see that. I think it I was could... George Lucas said, "Well, the idea is his voice is a little too f- familiar." Right. And so they decided to go with an unknown theater right. actor and James Earl Jones. Right. I mean, I know he had done some things before that, like he's in, you know, uh, the Stanley Kubrick, Doctor Strange Love, and all of that stuff, and he's had a movie career before that. But right. if anyone out there today knows about James Earl Jones, there's probably two movies of what they know him for, and that's younger kids that were born in like the '90s probably know him as Mufasa from Lion King because he does the voice of that. But everyone mm-hmm. knows that he is Darth Vader. Yeah, and the and the. Um... The, the old guy in Field of Dreams, too. Right, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. Yeah. it's hard not to, you know, when he's talking about baseball right. the way he does, and that, and I'm like, man, Darth Vader's talking to me about baseball. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I am captivated. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so what is it about the character other than the look? There's, I think, the fact that in, especially in the first movie, in the 77, episode four, he has barely any screen time. Right. And and the only screen time he does have, he's very commanding yep. and threatening. Yep. That very opening scene uh, in the Leia's ship there, uh, where he basically just kind of storms in. Right. And it and and he's so contrasted by you know the interior white of the right. ship plus all of the white stormtroopers and this black giant. 
right. character comes in. He was played by David Prowse, who... R.I.P. That man was a bodybuilder. He was a known bodybuilder, uh, and he played like a safety... Uh, crossing the street safety commercial that uh, <laughs> he was in a campaign for that in Britain for, you know, uh, he played the, he had like a cape on and like a kind of like a Superman outfit. And he was, so he, he was a big man. He was six foot six. And, uh, like I said, he was a bodybuilder too. So he was built like a motherfucker. Right. And, and that's kind of what they wanted to do to kind of, uh, give him a lot of presence as well as put somebody in that suit that would f- really fill it out. Right. And uh, kind of tower over everybody, which which you kind of miss out on in the Revenge of the yeah. Sith when you because it's uh, <laughs> yeah Hayden Christensen is in the outfit and I think he's wearing huge platform shoes. Right. <laughs> yeah, the fact that he's barely in the movie right already makes him ominous. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, that. But using this guy who has the six six statue, this menacing costume, this beautiful menacing voice that James Earl Jones mm-hmm. gives it to him and then you know the culmination of this breathing thing everything is just it's it all comes together to make this iconic character that I mean easily if it would have been tweaked one way or the other could have been laughable right but yeah but it, it, there's there's an old serial too from um I'm going to say the ni- early 1940s or whatever that was kind of based on World War One times with biplanes and shit like that. And uh, there was a character in there, if you look it up online, where it's funny because he's surrounded by these white soldiers, this character. He's in all, all black outfit and all this stuff with a cape and everything. And, he, and the white characters look exactly like the snowtroopers from Empire Strikes Back and... This character looks a lot like Darth Vader. Oh wow! Yeah, if you see him side by side, it's kind of hard to say. Uh, they, it's not a hundred percent original idea. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? They must have taken it. It might for sure yeah. be that that George is just like, you know what? I saw this and I I like the look of it. And this I want to. Yeah, they it. just added more of a skull face to it. Right. To his mask and all that stuff, but the you know. Well, let's just say this: like, out of a, a huge extended universe of of not only movies but shows and books of everything in the star wars universe darth vader is a uh is such a huge significant villain of it that the the movies have a hard time shaking his non-existence in the other mm-hmm. movies you know what i mean they have to bring back his mask and the and certain and the certain breathing vo- things in uh, um what's called the force awakens Right, and and right. they're constantly referencing to Darth Vader, and that shows how dependent in that particular area of the the last trilogy that they did, uh, mm-hmm. how dependent they were on that that kind of character mm-hmm. because he is such a huge towering influence of that. Universe. Basically, in those first three movies, I mean, obviously you see a little more of him in the second movie, and and uh, he has a lot more speaking parts, and then the revelation, the big revelation that I am your father. The fact that you see him more doesn't necessarily take away from him because I feel like in in those other two episodes, episodes five and six, you get to see more of his ability with the Force and how, even though he can't move swiftly because he is uh, cybernetic, he's very powerful, you know, and it shows, right? Right. And and no matter how, like, once you get to the, the third movie in that trilogy, The Jedi, Return of the Jedi, you know, Things around it are starting to get more kid-friendly and goofy, but the, right. the smart thing they did was to continue to keep him 
as he was in the other films which is you know who is this what is this what is this guy again how he could take you down and you're always weary of him what is he what's he gonna do even when you know luke goes and they're trying to have that battle at the end of jedi and about you know is luke gonna turn to the dark side or not you know right and darth vader standing so close to, to luke you're just like he already cut your hand off bro you better step back a little bit <laughs> right right well and the other thing that that you know given the power and presence of darth vader that is very intimidating what helps bolster how much power the emperor has by the fact that this giant scary creature bows to him and says what it, you know is basically a servant to him right so in that way it's like a right whoa what's yeah. this guy all about yeah. this creepy the old ladder, man yeah, going, the yeah. ladder right, of power right, right. and stuff what, what's going right. on with this guy so in those movies you know we don't get to see a whole lot of his action just the, you know some of the fights with Luke Skywalker and all that stuff yeah so the lore grows right, right? and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger right so we have these we've built this grandiose Darth Vader in our head and Rogue One I think in the most fanboy orgasmic way right plays into that and shows darth vader really kick some fucking ass and and uh, right. everything we've always wanted to see and we always imagined that he could do just by the presence he had in the original trilogy we get to finally see it in this yep. you know just really short clip the, yep. what they famously call the hallway scene now and that they pay homage to uh in yep. the mandalorian with the the big Luke Skywalker thing, finally yeah. being a fucking badass. Yeah, you know, the same you thing, exactly the same way. Him to be you that. always you wanted always him to be that, just like it. you, just like you always wanted to see, you know, Darth Vader in the suit. We knew that Anakin be right. that could be that way, but you wanted to see him in the suit be that way. So that's what's so great about Rogue One, because when it gives you that, it's just like, no, no, he's still a fucking badass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. We should probably. Um, Bid him adieu in almighty praise (laughs) to Lord Vader. Impressive. Most impressive. We'll go to his replacement in a way in the prequels, which was um, Darth Maul. It was very smart, I thought, of George Lucas to go the opposite direction of Darth Vader by introducing Darth Maul because he makes him this scary alien looking guy instead of like a mysterious robot-y kind of guy, which everyone I think was expecting. Right. And so when he gives you the Maul, Darth Maul, Mm -hmm. and introduces you to this character, it's very, it's, it's intriguing because you're like, oh, what's this guy all about, you know? And basically I think when he gave the assignment to the artists. Right. He basically said, I want to see the devil incarnate, basically. I want to see a demon in a way. And that's kind of, of several of the designs that, you know, got narrowed down more and more to this particular character. Oh, yeah. You could totally see that, yeah. What Darth Maul is, is in in the Star Wars lore, he is what's called a Zabrik, which is a... um, a humanoid species that's obviously known for the horns on their head and all that stuff, but um, supposed to have incredible endurance and all that stuff. They're supposedly they have, you know, they, it's written that they have two hearts, so they can process oxygen much better. So, but there's a there's a caveat to that. He is a Zabrik of Dothamir, which is he's not from Zabrik or whatever the pla- their home planet is. There there is a sect of all male. Zabriks that have been brought there by the the Night Sisters, essentially the witches of the dark side of the Force, and these Zabrik men are 
basically their mates. You know, it's a planet that's like dominated by women and uh, the men of Darthamir live on the other side of the planet and all that stuff. Uh, they, they don't associate with them. It's a very um, matriarchal planet. And then when it's time for these women to breed, they basically go to the men's side of the planet and pick a mate kind of thing. And so, so there's kind of half of a theory that... Um, these night sisters evolved from Zebrick and all that stuff, but it's hard to it, it doesn't seem accurate because they don't have the horns and all that stuff. So I don't know. There's 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 a little bit of legend stuff that probably could be researched more. And the thing is, that the legends isn't canon anyway. So it, you right. kind of take what you got to take. But I mean, the the this whole Darthamir theory is not is canon. You know, it was it was played out in the um, the Clone Wars series and all that stuff. Right. Okay. The male Zabriks of Darthamirs are, are are supposed to be all the, the like the the uh, sons of uh, Mother Talzin is supposed to be apparently, at least that's what they all refer to her as anyway. So it could be just metaphorical or maybe it is biological. Who knows? But, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, there, he was bred to become uh, an apprentice to uh, Sidious. You know, yeah. Darth Maul, you mean. Yeah. With a deal made with Mother Talzin or something like that. So that's kind of his backstory. And then, you know, he gets cut in half at the end of uh, Phantom Menace. Even though he had the higher ground. Yeah, he did, yeah he did have the higher ground in that one, <laughs> contradicting the two movies later. Right, uh, right. Um, well, you know what's weird is it's like, so you go see as a Star Wars fan, or probably not a Star Wars fan, and you have this expectation. So you meet this new Darth Maul character, and you think, okay, this is the character that's going to lord over these next three films, kind of like Darth Vader did that replacement. And then by the end, all of a sudden, he just gets cut, cut in, half, in yeah, half. Right, and you're like, well what the fuck yeah i know what are we doing but you know his story is carried on in the clone wars story in the uh that he basically his anger towards obi-wan right using the dark side of the force uh, kept him alive and he was able to kind of salvage himself and create a lower a cybernetic lower half and continue on and his story story's pretty complicated and we don't need to get into the whole story right the spider legs um yeah there were spider legs at first yeah that part's a little weird but um but what the the great thing about what what clone wars did is it kept this character that everyone loved the minute he showed up i remember in the minute he showed up in the clone wars it was a big deal like Mm -hmm. holy fuck he's still alive i knew it kind of you know all those things and then it kept this character going until i think it spawned a new following to where it couldn't be ignored. They had no. to acknowledge he's alive, and then they had to make a canon by putting him in somewhere in the movies. And then right. he shows up again in, in Solo. And right, Solo. Like, yeah, and then in Rebels, too. He's yep. in, He plays a pretty important role in, in Rebels. Oh, yeah, right. They treated him the same way that they did Boba Fett, who kind of went out of Chubb's death, and, and uh, <laughs> right. nobody liked that because he's supposed to be the baddest motherfucker on the planet. Right. But what is great about Darth Maul is played by uh, uh, Ray Park, and who is a um, like a martial arts uh, choreographer, right? which is why it was perfect for him to just basically just put the makeup on and become him because he could move very naturally. Right. We're supposed to be showing the Jedi in their prime and uh, right. at the, Sith you know, too, obviously, yeah, and Sith too, and uh, so that they're extremely athletic and very virile and uh, powerful in their fighting style. Right, and so it comes to life really well with Ray Park, and um, 
you know, obviously the dark side of the force is embracing anger, hatred, and fear and all that stuff. And not only in the design of his tattoo markings, because the red and black is actually tattooing, because Zabrik people are actually fair-skinned. Okay, yeah. The anger of the force turning the eyes yellow the way they do, and, the, and you know, his teeth are very almost pointed in a way. Right, yeah. Uh, and then you add that, the Sith cloak to that. It, he's he's incredibly intimidating. Right. And and uh, the, the facial expression, he, he I think he, he only has the one line in the movie. My favorite representation of what I'm trying to talk about is when they're fighting and they get separated by the uh, beamed uh, dividers within that hallway. Right. So that Qui-Gon is on one, you know, all the way on the other side of the room. Maul is in the middle and, and Obi-Wan is on the other, you know, other side waiting to get in. Right. Qui-Gon being the the more pure of the Jedi masters. He just right. basically, he knows no point in wasting energy. He gets down on his uh, knees and starts to meditate. Maul right. is just enraged in anger. Right. In, and uh, he's testing the ray shield or whatever it is with his... His lightsaber? Yeah, yeah, that's so and awesome. he's pacing back and forth, and he's just... He's got this look uh, that yep. he's giving Qui-Gon as he paces back and forth of, like, I'm going to fucking tear you apart. Right. And, uh, you know, you can feel, like, the tension in his shoulders as he's walking yep. back and forth. It's, he looks so fucking pissed. Yeah. And it's so badass. It's so yep. intense. And then you have the young... Um, immature obi-wan who's just kind of like jittery yeah. and bouncing around waiting for the thing that you know but that's the three yeah. representations and but it's that image in particular for me that really kind of says it all about darth maul oh yeah totally and it really solidifies him as one of the really cooler villains of the star wars universe yeah vader had all of these movies to kind of solidify you as he's a badass he's cool all of this cool shit he can do you know maul had that one little <laughs> the one little movie you know where he's basically yeah. in maybe 13 minutes of it uh, yeah maybe less and, Probably yeah. about the same amount of time Vader is in the first one, you know. Yeah, actually, that's probably true. But you see him, like you said, in his prime, mm-hmm. and he's using not only using his saber skills, he's using the Force to help him yeah. battle these two, and he's taking on two at the same time, and it's right. really one of those amazing lightsaber battles. that Right, you know, and it's the first time we ever see a double-ended lightsaber, too. So right. that, that also, you know, when you see it double-ended in, in, uh, in the red Sith beams and all right. that stuff... It's just like, ah, god damn it. This yep. is so fucking cool. <laughs> it's really the the saving grace of that movie. Yeah. You know, which is probably sure. one, of, one of the, well, sequel trilogy excluded. It uh, It's one of the weaker ones of the original six, I should say. Right. Yeah. Let's, let's finally, let's, that's, we're going to close the door on Star Wars for this up and, uh, okay. Switch to some other stuff. And now a word from us. Ooh, my favorite peeps. So let's say you want to reach out to us, ask us some questions, or make comments that are not negative and mean. No, no, we're very sensitive. Or if you want to participate in some of the questions we ask each other on the show, answer them so we can see your answers. Right. Boy, am I right. If we, if you're going to try and look for us on Instagram or Facebook, it is TFTFP Podcast. And if you're looking for us on Twitter, it's Podcast TFTFP. Right. Yeah, and we also have yes, yes, a shiny, mm-hmm. spick and span little email address Ooh. that goes by the name of 
tfttfppodcasts at gmail.com. Mm, rolls right off the tongue, it does. <laughs> yeah. And ma- make sure you like, subscribe, and review us because that helps us with the algorithm thing <laughs> that everybody else says and I'm supposed to say. Spoken like a true professional, Tim. We'll switch Geek to related? the comic book, yeah, the comic book <laughs> world now, which is more. You're gonna hear more of Derek on this this one because I'm less informed. We're going from something that uh, that started as a movie and then spawned nerdy spinoffs of comics and books and everything, and we're going the opposite direction now. So if we delve into comic books, and I mean really get into all the different companies that put out comic books, not just Marvel and DC, but you have Dark Horse and Image and all those different ones out there, you really dig into them and start looking at all of their villain characters. I think you'll be hard-pressed to find a villain in any of those companies that is as well-known as the Joker. Everyone who does... Now, I'm not talking about right now. Right now, we're so inundated with so many comic book movies and so many comic books and so many TV shows and all of this shit. I'm saying, go back to 1989, mm-hmm. when before Tim Burton's Batman came out, you had people that were just like, Michael Keaton's playing Batman. People like, oh my God, I can't believe... Well, you know, there's a lot of uproar about that. But the minute, even people who didn't read comic books back then, which was a very niche thing back then, mm-hmm. but even people who didn't, the minute you heard Jack Nicholson's playing the Joker, people were like, ooh. Never mind. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm in, right. Yep. <laughs> and so that just shows where that character was whether it was the people knew the joker from just hearing about comic books or the caesar romero thing yeah. whatever it was people know who the joker is and i think that he's such a great villain because he's pliable for any issues that come up along the way he, he first appears in batman number one back in 1940 mm-hmm. and he's the very first villain that batman goes up against so right then it's a duality between these two things. And this is back in, you know, Batman and these comic books carried a gun and killed people and shit. Mm-hmm. So. Right, right, right. Yeah. The comic book code comes in and that doesn't detour them using the Joker. Matter of fact, what it does is it's just, okay, well, he's a clown. So let's play off of that. He mm-hmm. he's, plays jokes and he does these silly traps and all of this stuff and you can use them. And that's what's great about the Joker because you can go from, he's just a scary, weird clown guy to... He has mental issues, too. He has post-traumatic stress disorder or whatever you want to apply to this character and hide the villainous things that he wants to do. He's right. always interesting to be able to play off of. And there's no other comic book. You know, Marvel has a lot of great villains, but I don't think any other comic book has a villain that can be exploited like the Joker can because literally you can apply a lot of so many different scenarios and you can give him his own standalone movie whatever you think about that movie or not you can give him his own standalone movie and that thing comes out and makes a billion dollars right right that's one of those things that how many other villains do you know of in in like comic book world where you could do that you could release it you know they they were going to try to do it with like magneto and shit like that but you can't do that no and so there's not enough um meat on the bone to carry a whole movie right uh, for other villains, yeah, right. Well, one thing I, I wanted—I was thinking as you were talking—is um, obviously the f- the word Joker basically refers to the card and the right. playing game, you know, which is a 
either a wild card or a useless card and a lot of stuff but that the image always used on joke cards is a jester right and if you go back to you know um the courts of uh let's say england or whatever the jester was like the one dude who right. could do whatever the fuck he wanted and say whatever he wanted and get away with it right because he wasn't taken seriously and and you know all uh, uh, he was the comic relief of the of the court, you know, whereas right. everybody else was following these really rigid rules. Don't piss right. off the king. Don't do that. The jester could do whatever the fuck he wanted, you know. Right. And, Anarchy. And, <laughs> yeah, to, to an extent. I'm sure he right. could probably right. cross a line. Right. But, the, yeah, exactly. You just tied into what I was trying to say. Anarchy, which is where the character seems to be right. uh, based upon. That's his kind of modus operandi. Right. As all of these movies come out and stuff and people become more knowledgeable that are outside of the comic books about what Batman represents and what Joker represents and all of that can be taken with a grain of salt because he's different things to different people and I'm talking about every comic book hero yeah. so anytime these movies come out and they reinterpret how this character is or that character is the Joker has a representation of some kind of chaos or something born out of chaos there's right. always an element there and that shows the duality to the hero that he's always linked to who's trying to stop chaos whereas joker's always trying to cause it and that's the yin and yang of the right. whole, the whole right. characters which i think what makes it uh, an ongoing thing that people are always intrigued with with the character what you know right. do, through good interpretations and bad interpretations and stuff like that because you, st you still got your diehard people out there for Cesar Romero and stuff right. like yeah, that you right. know and yeah. he's that what I'm talking about in that comic book code era right you know you can trace all of these different performances from Nicholson up to w Joaquin and yeah. all of them are a representation of some era of the comic book character you know right. 40s 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s all the way up well and for those of you who might not be in the know Cesar Romero was the actor who portrayed him on the Bat the Adam West Batman TV series yeah 1966 yep right and so you know that became kind of the face of him for the long period of time because mm -hmm. the minute that show came out you know that show basically saved Batman from from publication being cancelled and shit like that so uh, we should mention that silent movie um and yeah and and the Joker character of mm -hmm. that was first created back in the 1944 he was basically a takeoff of a, a an old uh silent film called the man who laughs right and and so that was from 1928 yeah and, and if you would see any images any frozen images of that man who laughs in that movie he is the joker he yep. literally is like the exaggerated um smile you know and yep. uh he looks exactly like what you see in the comic representations of of, of the joker the kind of exaggerated chin and right totally yeah yeah the joker is one of those main villains that anytime you see a list out there you usually see the joker whoever's joker it is or whoever's their favorite joker it's always someone everyone around the world like i say if they're not a comic book fan you know who the fucking joker is mm -hmm. that's why so many people you know when a lot of these marvel movies or other dc movies when they use someone other than those things they're like when are they going to use this character you know what i mean yeah, Cause yeah, people yeah. want the familiarity of this character and stuff right. like that so that shows the strength of, of of a character like that i gotta interject some of my star wars fandom we do have some crossover here oh no, yes 
the uh, from the Batman cartoon cartoon series, Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker yep. himself, was famously the voice of the Joker through that uh, animated series. Yep, and I still think the best Joker there is. Yeah, right, right. He's the one that's left the, in my opinion, the longest running uh, imprint on the character. Whereas, I think I've said this once before, but if I'm reading a Batman comic book mm-hmm. and Joker's in it, yeah. it's Mark, Mark Hamill's voice. Mark Hamill's that I hear voice in, my in your head, head. Yep. exactly. Yeah. Yep. Just like it's Kevin Conroy's as, as Batman. You know, right. That, right. Those are the two iconic things that are forever linked. Even nowadays, I uh, I was recently at a family function thing, and they were playing something that represented uh, one of the Joker. It was like a, a Lego DC thing, but in that game, it wasn't Mark Hamill, but it was someone copying the way he sounds because he's so ingrained in that character which is really awesome one of the things i just wanted to say real quick that i think helps add to the um the duality between batman and and the joker is um batman is order and 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 the joker is anarchy there's also like the um expression of that is 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 the way that obviously the joker being a clown he laughs at everything that's supposed to be very serious and and that's the opposite of the batman who's very stoic and unemotional and all that stuff and so there's there is something to the effect of 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 him kind of laughing at horrible things that kind of adds to his villainness right and plus, I mean, you, I think clowns are like the third biggest fear. <laughs> yeah, and, and, right, right. Yeah. yeah. So. I feel for me, like the um, the whole, when I was, I was a diehard uh, Tim Burton uh, Batman fan when that came right. out. And, uh, you know, I had posters in my room and all this shit. And, um, right. But when, uh, and then the other two movies come out, which... I'm a, I'm a little older by that point, and uh, they're terrible. Yeah, yeah. The Val Kilmer movie and right, and, right. and uh, George Clooney, George though. Clooney movie. Oh, he nailed it. Home run. <laughs> <laughs> so then you just kind of lose faith in it, right. and then you hear of it being reborn again, and you're thinking, oh, geez, you know, they're doing this shit again. You know, right. why can't they just? It went badly. Why can't right. we just let it die? So Christopher right. Nolan redoes it with Christian Bale, and right. just totally turns it on its ear oh geez and in such a fucking awesome way right and bringing heath ledger in as the joker which also more so than michael keaton as batman was really trash talked yep Yep. leading into that uh before the thing was seen now that we see it we can't unsee it right (sighs) (laughs) you know he nailed that and then of course it leaves fingerprints forever on that yeah. character. He do- totally does. He yeah. does some strange, unique things with it, with the, the licking of the right. scars and all that stuff, and, yeah. and and the very strange voice that he's using. Right. And, of course, he you know he dies pretty shortly after that, and, and, right. and that almost kind of, in a way, adds a mystique to it. Definitely, yeah. And, and he gets a posthumous Oscar uh, nomination for that, which is pretty impressive. Right. And then we have the the Jared Leto one, which is interesting in its own way. I there's certain aspects of that one I I definitely liked. I, I, right. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I I definitely hold Ledger's performance on a on a bit of a pedestal, like an right. untouchable pedestal. Right. Um, that easily dethroned Jack Nicholson's performance. Right. 
but I still there are definitely aspects and modernizations uh, that Jared Leto took that I thought was pretty cool with right. the tattoos and stuff like that. Not everybody agreed. But. Right, right, right. And then the Joaquin Phoenix one. Awesome. I th- can't say I was a fan of the movie so much, but I absolutely adored Joaquin Phoenix in that movie. He was yeah. fucking brilliant in that right. movie. Right. <laughs> you know, the guy can act his pants off. I don't know how to describe right. it any other way. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he felt genuinely disturbed mentally ill yeah. in that movie right he did yeah yeah that's what i mean that's what uh, i think is so special about that character is in every and, and believe me i'm a deep comic book nerd on both sides of the fence i love marvel and i love dc i love dc a little more but i love them both and they all have interesting characters but none of them have that character that i think is that psychologically rich and how mm-hmm. you can constantly excavate new stuff out of old scars you know what i mean <laughs> there are many levels to mental illness <laughs> so oh, yeah i'd say of all of the performances the two that felt the most mentally ill like i said was joaquin phoenix and right. Heath ledger and they're right. two th- very different interpretations of right it, but both equally successful i think right yeah yeah no yeah it's it's, it's a, that's what i mean it's just amazing th- what you can give to a creative actor or a writer or whatever you do and what they can pull out of this character that's been around since the 40s you know yeah what I mean? right right all right so i think we'll go on to our next big baddie uh and we're <laughs> gonna switch switch from dc to marvel and right. uh, go with the almighty thanos there yep dread it Run from it. Destiny arrives all the same. In my opinion, yeah. I think, you know, coming from a comic book geek too, but also coming from someone who's an admirer of special effects and, and, the, and the evolution of spe- special effects, if there's anything that's documented as a 100% wonderful performance out of a CG character, it's yeah. Thanos. It's right. amazing what they do. And I think that one of the things that they do that captures it so brilliantly is that they keep minute micro expressions in there of throwaway things that some actor would do when you're filming him and he doesn't know you're filming him. You know what I mean? Right. They keep those in there. And that's what I think makes that character so human like. Yeah. And then, you know, all credit goes to Josh Brolin too. Brolin, yeah. That, that guy in himself is just like the coolest dude. Yeah on totally. the planet <laughs> you know what i mean and he and, and again you know considering he comes not that he would ever hear this but i i, I don't mean to insult him but he comes from basically a real hack actor <laughs> in his father <laughs> right mr. You know, mr streisand um <laughs> boy did the he ate, was he able to multiply on his father's talent and and um <laughs> yeah just carries just about any movie he's in. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And so you take uh, someone like Josh Brolin with his kind of charisma and give him the part of Thanos. It's brilliant. Right. It's a brilliant move on their part. And so they, they did a really great job with that. And in the comic book, 
uh, just to give a brief history, like Thanos is from a uh, planet called Titan, which they explore in Infinity War, the movie. Uh, he has his legion of followers and his army and stuff that he gathers throughout his career of carnage. And that's the Black Order. Uh, you see them in the uh, the movie as well. Uh, one of the things they don't show, but they'll probably end up getting to it. But in the comics, he's also born of uh, one of the Eternals, which is another branch of characters from the Marvel Universe comic books. And um, so that definitely gives him a little more power uh, coming from that uh, bloodline. And then um, basically in the comic books, though, he's really after the uh, Infinity Stones to impress uh, Mistress, uh, uh, Mistress Death. And uh, so he that sets him on this mission. And the biggest change that they do in the movie, which is a brilliant change, is what they give him a reason. Instead of, I'm going to kill you know, half the life in all of the universe because, or to impress somebody. He does it because it's, you know, it's it's his mission in life kind of thing. Yeah. I, I have my likes and my misses with the, uh, with the Marvel Universe, but I think the most brilliant thing that whoever came up with the idea of making Infinity War Thanos' movie, not right. a hero's movie, Right, it's perfect because that movie plays it. It's his movie all the way through, and he gets his happy ending, and that's what's brilliant about that movie. Yeah, and and Josh Brolin himself, in a lot of the interviews he's done in the past, has talked about versus what you're saying, the one note thing, where he's in the comics, the whole idea of him taking over is just because he's trying to serve his own ego. Right. In this, there's the whole I'm helping. Right. I, I think I'm doing the right thing. And right. as what I was going to say is what Josh Brolin openly said, and, and I agree with, that he's not wrong, right? right? Thanos' philosophy is not wrong that right. the overpopulation is destroying everything. We need about half of what we got. Right. That's not necessarily wrong on right. a, on an on a inhumane kind of right. nature survives kind of perspective. You know, Not supporting genocide type of... <laughs> right, yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> The planet and and society would probably and you know you know an, another proponent of this would be Bill Burr if you ever listen to any of his comedy right he makes he makes several jokes <laughs> about how there's too many fucking people on the right. world and uh, how much better life would be with a lot less people right there are, are are notes from the comic books like the the comic book Infinity Gauntlet is what the comic book se- run series was which Infinity War was was kind of loosely interpreting. Mm-hmm. Where he's going after the gauntlet to get all the infinity stones to wipe out, you know, half. Yeah. And 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 in later interpretations, like the New Avengers and shit like that, as comic books went on into the '90s and later into the 2000s and stuff, that that part of Thanos started to be redesigned by more people who were taking on this character, saying, "Hey, we got to go back to that character because there was something interesting there," and finding out all of these things. So some of that's built into it, but the movie represents yeah. it in a. Not, uh, I'm doing this because I'm a badass and I want to show what the badass guy I am. I, this is my mission. This is my destiny. I need to do right. this. And, and it shows him, you know, trying to fulfill that destiny. And, right. And it adds so much more weight to what he's doing. Right. You know what I mean? And, and, and depth to his character. So rather than just being an empty villain. Right. He's a villain with a cause, you right. know. 
Yeah. And, it, and 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 what makes him interesting is it's a cause that some people could be like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, kind of see that. Yeah. yeah, unlike like say a Hitler villain, right? You know, you're where you're, you know. Well, uh, granted, there are some people that are like, yeah, maybe we should. Right. But I think I think majority, you know, basically right. says that's a bad idea. Right. But we're not singling out anybody. Right. We're just saying half of whoever. Which yeah, which he explains that in the in yeah. one of the monologues in the in the movie. And so when he gets to that part, and even, even though you're in your mind rooting, okay, well the good guys are gonna win. This is a Marvel movie, and no, yeah. no you know what I mean. Like it, it, the history of the Marvel movies, if you watch them, don't have a lot of threat. Um, There's no. Yeah, yeah, there's not a lot of threat to any of them. There's no consequence to it. You, you get to the that's, end, that's, yeah. everything's fine. And so what that character does is he brings power and his cause, and he's so behind his cause that he's going to do it. And it, it flips the script to where you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Even though things get rectified in another way or everything, it, it manages to do something in, in one of the movies. that. Yeah, the end, the end of Infinity Wars, I think everybody kind of commented on how gut-wrenching yep. when Tom Holland's Spider-Man goes away. You're just right. like, oh, that's yep. a kick in the gut you know it's like watching a young boy die and it's 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 hard because right. he's a very likable he's one of the more likable spider-man yeah you know? no totally he's nails it. he's <laughs> like as a comic book fan he is the life interpretation of what you read in that comic book back in the right. day he's perfect right. hits and misses along the way for me it brought me back into a place of where it's it represented what i knew what i read what i loved and again one of those characters in the comic book although like i said it took a while in the comic book for him to be a little bit more defined as a character not like a megalomaniac i just want to do it Mm -hmm. to do it kind of thing it was one of those villains in marvel comics that's like that dude was pretty badass so (laughs) when you see that tease at the end of avengers the people in the comic book know are like oh fuck right right (laughs) you know Plus, doesn't he play a role in the Guardians movies too? Yeah, he had he he shows up in I think three movies before Infinity War. You know, because right, he shows up yeah. at the end of Ultron and he shows up in the Guardians. He's a, he's a, a kind of a back character because he's Gamora's father, basically. So right, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. All right, so now we're gonna wind down. On the uh, comic book stuff, we did our Star Wars shit, we did our comic book <laughs> stuff, and, and we're going to go into something a little more different up from fantasy and more of a horror fantasy. Right. Uh, and, and the villain of uh, Count Dracula. Blah, Dracula. Blah. <laughs> Again, another character, not unlike some of the ones we've just talked about, that is multifaceted over the years has been... Yeah, twerk, interpreted you know, in yeah. so many different... Yeah. And a lot of really dumb ways, yeah. too. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's also really cool renditions in there, even if you're not a, a, a fan, as you've mentioned on one of our main shows, you know, like Nosferatu mm-hmm. is, is, mm-hmm. is basically... I can't have the rights to Dracula, so I'm going to do my own spin on Dracula, kind of right, thing. right. And and although, you, as you said, I didn't, I've never seen the movie, but as you said in in Werner Herzog's version, the interpretation's yeah. cool, the movie's boring. Right, right. Yeah, and um, yeah, but then there's you know like Dracula 2000 right. and stuff when they're trying to launch that new franchise of right. uh, stuff, and it's it's just. Come on, guys. Or what's the Val, the Van Helsing right. movie 
which oh. is you know wow. <laughs> just like the actometer on that guy is turned up to fucking 48 you know it's so bad and your brain meters turned down to 0.0 <laughs> yikes yeah but um you know so yeah the, it's obviously a book late in the written by bram stoker in the late victorian area uh i think in the 1880s or 60s or, or 90s or somewhere somewhere in the late victorian <laughs> era there right. and um uh captures a lot of people's imagination it's written in a found footage way which right. is really cool you yeah. know and it's very imaginative especially for 130 plus 40 plus years ago right. where it's basically a collection of writings from the different people who lived this story and put together into a, a book and they're all perceiving right dracula you know what i mean he's, yep. he's obviously not writing shit himself it's all from you know he's right. being seen through the eyes of these other people <laughs> the eye dracula blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first one I, I know of is of course like you said was nosferatu right and of course because bram stoker's widow was still alive at the time of that movie which was 1922 and um that's right she's like give me money yeah, see, they, they, she, he, she wouldn't give up. Bram right. Stoker had passed away by that point, but she was alive and and right. wouldn't give up. This this was a German filmmaker whose name I will never remember. Right. He was played by uh, John Malkovich in in right. uh, yeah Shadow of a Vampire. Shadow of the Vampire, right? Yeah. Basically, he said, "All right, I'll just change everybody's names then." Right. And 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 the interpretation of uh, Count Orlock in in Nosferatu is the more literal interpretation of the novel where he's kind of rat faced and scary and all that stuff. And so that by the time the movie is done uh, in talkies and uh, I think it's, is it 1931? Yeah. Th- yeah. That, uh, where Bella Lugosi, the Hungarian actor, you know, an accent that's very similar to Transylvania. Right. He plays it in this more romance, right. uh, kind of like, uh, I'm a sexy guy and right. I will, uh, you know, entice you with my, with my good looks, you right. know, rather and literally, than literally, ra- literally encapsulate what most people think of when they hear the name Dracula. Exactly. Yeah. 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 With the, you know, the widow's peak on the head yep. and the, uh, even the, know, the, even us going blah, blah. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes. That, yeah, <laughs> very much a, an exaggeration of, right. uh, <laughs> you see Halloween decorations up at stores and shit it's usually if it's Dracula it's that look of Dracula it's almost like English Victoria yeah. you know, I don't know how to uh, describe it it's very flashy the way yeah. he dresses whereas yeah. you know like Count Orlock who's a more traditional literal version of him right literary version of him it, you know he's very like kind of gross and right dirty cloaks and right you're not in you're not in any way intrigued to get to know this person or you know looking at this person you want to you're repelled by them yeah but even the clothes the clothes or whatever you know with the the way the cape is very yeah pronounced with the giant collar and the yep kind of satiny stuff going on you know he's kind of blingy he's a he's a blingy dracula (laughs) (laughs) and yeah like you said that's basically the one we've got till today and in our minds right and, uh i think one of the, the the second most popular interpretation of it once again another star wars crossover is my man count dooku yeah <laughs> uh christopher lee was famous yep actually it's count dooku and grand Moff talking because um christopher lee played dracula in several hammer uh yep. films and peter cushing played uh um van helsing 
uh-huh. and and all of those accompanying movies. You yep. know what I mean? So they they had a team together. And I think and those Hammer movies are probably underneath the Bella Lugosa movie, one of the more popular. Yep. Definitely for, like, the fans of Dracula and stuff like that, yeah. those horror mm-hmm. films, yep. Right, yeah. There's the um, Gary Oldman version from... Uh, from 1992, yep. yeah. Yeah, Francis Ford Coppola did that, and, and that's a very cool... Yeah. Not, some people don't really like that movie. I always liked it, yeah. you know. There's there's bad elements to it, you oh, know, like sure. bo- both Winona Ryder and more so Keanu Reeves Keanu cannot... Reeves. Cannot yeah. keep an accent yeah. in that, and they're they're out of place. Uh, and how dare right. you for not letting them keep Daniel Day Lewis? But the, the interpretation of Dracula in that, which is I think is interesting, is he's modeled after the historic character, right. which is the man of history, Vlad the Impaler, the right. Transylvanian king or whatever, right? Who 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 was famous for his um, cruelty, <laughs> you know? Yes. Yeah, he didn't. That wasn't his real last name, the Impaler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he right. earned that. <laughs> he earned the name, the Impaler. Yeah, used to used to stick sticks up pe- giant logs up people's asses, right, and post them out in front of his castle, basically. You know, so anybody who approached the castle saw all these corpses, <laughs> right, kind of run through, posted up like flags on a pole, basically, right, kind of saying, "Wait, I should yeah. be a little afraid of this guy." If you were the equivalent of a telemarketer at the time, you'd stay away from his house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, door-to-door Bible salesman. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I want to go to that guy's house. But even the way, you know, when they show Gary Oldman before, you know, in his flashback sequence when he's with his wife and he's he's of flesh. Yeah. He looks very much like the famous picture of uh, Vlad the Impaler. Right. Uh, it's cool. I think it's kind of yeah. cool. And he, I think he even does a little bit more of that Transylvanian accent, too, yeah. uh, you know, as he walks through the movie. And so, you know, it's supposed to be theatrical, so it is a little over the oh, top. Yeah. But it's very much like you're watching a play. Yeah. With that, you know, that's done with very exuberant lighting and, you know, and picturesque uh, 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 matte paintings that aren't supposed to look all that real and sets right. that are very extravagant, too, and stuff. So, and, the, and of course, costume design is really like off the wall in that, where it's like this, yeah. you know, almost almost to the point of where it's like that era of closing mixed with like steampunk shit, you know? <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Like, it's, it's, right. it's weird, but it, it works. A little bit of wild, wild west. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wiki, wiki. Again, too, when they show Dracula in his environment, his original environment, he is a little more not so pretty. Right. He's old and yep. kind of, you know what I mean? So they're embracing both. Yeah. Both interpretations of it. Right. Yeah. The literary interpretation and the, right. And yeah. Yeah, and they're kind of de- as he gets to England, he de-ages and becomes this romantic figure. Right, blue, blue. <laughs> <laughs> I remember. I think my first time ever seeing anything Dracula related was was um, Love at First Bite. No, I'm just joking. I- <laughs> <laughs> that George Hamilton. George Hamilton. Yeah, yeah no, nice. Uh, I think mine was honestly uh, the Bela Lugosi because I used to watch a lot of those old black yeah. and white ones. So that was my Universal. first, yeah, my first one to ever see the character. I might have seen it that way via uh, Abbott and Costello, to be honest. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, because they did all of those meets movies yep. Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein and all oh, that stuff man, and Bela Lugosi does play yep. does play um, needed a check <laughs> Dracula and that and 
but the, the problem is with uh, like all of these interpretations and basically you know with count chocula cereal and <laughs> right. the count on sesame street is right a lot of what was created in the original novel has lo- has definitely lost luster and so other people come along thinking i'm going to reinvent this in my own way and it never quite this stands no stands the test no one thing that stops it from ever regaining i think its luster is that it's a public domain character so anyone can fucking do it for free right. yeah <laughs> right right unlike 1922 right <laughs> yeah. yeah and so you know you have universal that has their definite patent on how that character can look and other people can't copy it but still people can still do their own interpretation that's enough like they, if they like okay well if i can't do that interpretation i'll just do nosferatu interpretation and yeah. do that and you got salem's lot and you know, all of these mm-hmm. things you know do you think there is a way to do it fresh or has it just been yeah i think there is. i i i'm at the point to where like because there's, there's so many different interpretations that's come through over the years that you you get this mindset of this like that's that's it Put a stamp on it, tighten a bow. That's the perfect version. Another one's ever going to beat it. And then something comes along and actually does that. Right, and, right. And so I would never say that I don't think it'll ever happen because, you know, there's a lot of really talented, creative people out there that could probably come up with some kind of way to make that character, you know, a legitimate property again to where it, it would definitely be a tightrope. Yeah. You know? No, for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. And and the, the, the problem about it is, is that it can't, if you ignore things that's come before it it isolates a certain amount of audience right and if you embrace too much of it it isolates another half of the audience yeah, right know? right so you have to yeah it's that what you just said it's that tightrope thing where you're walking and you're like ah, what do i embrace what do i throw away well and and in the the novel of dracula kind of um shaped how we view vampires in a certain way because right the vampire of mythical lore of, say, Europe and all Eastern Europe and all that stuff is very different from Count Dracula that we know in the book. You know? Right. They're more of like these zombie walking, dr- dr- blood drinking, right. living dead, you know, like a straight up zombie. Right. And um, they, they don't really have animation to them and all that. Um, right. Like you were saying in the way that Bela Lugosi kind of set for the look of it. Right. Um, I feel like Bram Stoker had a big part in in creating what we see as the vampire today as this kind yep. of romantic figure. And so it, having said that, there are other authors who can take the material right. and kind of make their own lore within that. And yep. for me, Anne Rice is that right. one who kind of like almost surpasses yeah. the original you know, Victorian novel of Bra- Dracula and, and with her... Vampire Chronicles stories, yeah. at least the first three anyway, the first three famous ones with Lestat and Louis mm. and all that stuff, polishes the right. the lore in a way that's just super fucking cool. Right. You know what I mean? And almost yeah. like I'd rather see that uh, built a better version of Lestat than I would of somehow someone trying to re Dracula, right? Redo Dracula somehow. Right. Yeah. She took that and she did. She embraced some of the 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 culture and stuff from. The Bram Stoker, but she also in, in, inserted some of her own stuff in there, which made it more of a unique perspective from her, while still embracing some of the 
what had come before and that's that balance yeah. you gotta you have to do that balance because people you know they go in with that immediate interpretation sunlight no sunlight and the stakes of yeah. the heart and all of that yeah. shit. so you know f- for you to go in and say sunlight doesn't kill them and they sparkle and <laughs> all of yeah the stuff. whole twilight right, thing right, right. Well, i was gonna get into that too where that the, that by the time twilight comes along it's so freaking watered down right uh, that it does i mean it works for lonely women and teenage girls but <laughs> it's just it's it, as far as why did they even need to be vampires what uh, it doesn't you know what i mean right. why don't they just be aliens or something right. i don't know right they, <laughs> you know because they, it was something established to link them that character mm-hmm. into something than just a regular teenage drama that's all it was yeah it's werewolves and vampires or a cw uh, yep. series in a yep. way you know it's just, no totally there's nothing monstrous about those people and that's supposed to be they're supposed to be threatening they're right. supposed to be something of your nightmares and right. there's nothing nightmarish about those twilighty people hey you didn't read the books there <laughs> <laughs> i and i never will now that you have learned what you have learned it would be well for you to return to your own country your own question back to you do you think that there's <sighs> I honestly think it would have to be a miracle, right. you know, because right. I just feel like it's it's such a staple of Hollywood having come from the one of, you know, 1931 is like within a year of the talkies coming out, right. you know, uh, and, and, and it's been a through line throughout those that entire. So that's 90 years. Yep. I, I, I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. Right. But I mean, I I embrace what you say, and the you know there are talented people out there that could figure out something, right? But I don't how there's no way to be original. So, and here's the thing too: is the older that you get, and I get, and other people get that have yeah, the more cynical we are. Yeah, yeah a, a, we we come in with a shit ton of baggage, and we're crossing our arms at that person taking a new yeah. shot at it and saying, "What do you got?" <laughs> right, exactly. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And who's yeah. how many people can win in that particular situation? It's like what we just talked about with the Joker and the different actors doing right. that. Yeah, no, totally. It's yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. But there's been a handful of you know those. It's yeah. it's. But there's been uh, about ten thousand Draculas. <laughs> you know. I think the last one we're going to talk about is uh, the Night King from Game of Thrones. Um, oh, I can hear all of the devices being shut off right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Um, I don't think there's probably like maybe two or three percent of the watch Game of Thrones watching population right. that were very happy at all with the um, the final season. Right. And, and if you um, were, no, no, no harm, no foul. Regardless. The character created by George R. R. Martin of the Night King and all that stuff is is super fucking cool. Yep. And 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 the way they brought him to life visually on the show yep. was really really cool. Amazing. And there are some things in that show with that character. I mean, scenes that are in my mind that will never ever go away of how fucking cool they are. Villainous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What a gravity that character had. Yep. Uh, by never saying a word. Right. You know, there's some there's something about the power of silence when you're evil. You know what yep. I mean? Basically just 
a pre, you know a, a, a posture and, and and a look about yep. this character so basically the character is um, ancient mm-hmm. goes back a few thousand years before the wall and all that stuff and uh, what are called the first men who basically count challenge the children of the forest and uh, warring with them and all that stuff oh yeah uh, so they're basically the first humans to come to that uh, Westeros or whatever the hell it is and all that. And um, and this is coming off of the show, right? We don't. I've never read the book. I don't know anything about the book. Yeah, I've never read the books either. I'm in the dark here about that. I'm not no comic book nerd. My, my <laughs> wife has read the books. Yeah, one right. of the books or two of the books. She's read them. But, so I'm, this is kind of a clip, very Cliff Notesy version from the show. Um, okay. Basically, the dude was uh, one of the first men was captured by the the uh, children of the forest, and uh, you know they strapped him up, and one of the children had a um, a blade of dragon glass, and basically ran it through his heart yeah, without she intending. Was running with it, didn't mean to, tripped. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were trying to kill him as a punishment for being human or whatever. Right. And uh, didn't really realize what they were doing by doing that, and they—that's how they create the Night King, basically. And right. ends up—he ends up basically what, pretty much wiping them out. But and that's uh, I think about as much as the backstory I want to go into it. But right. There's so much more. That's like an incredibly layered story. Right. And that's what makes that character so freaking cool. But yeah. without even knowing any of that, when they show up on the scene. It's just like shit's about to go down. Yeah, he was played by two different actors, but uh, the main actor is, uh, uh, I think, is I, I, I'll get this a little wrong because it's a very kind of Slavicy name. It's Vladimir, uh, uh, I think it's Furdik or Fludik, Furdik, Fudlik, Fudik, Vladik. I don't know. Anyway, blah, blah. that's the the guy they actually show in the scene where he's converted. That's the actor who is basically shirtless on the against the tree and um and he was one of the major stunt choreographers for the series okay and then luckily i guess their face structures were very relatively similar so that the look of them didn't change too much but there was a difference but i guess some people did notice there was a difference that he looked even scarier when vladimir took over as and, and did most of the portrayal of him i think he shows up in season four and uh they reveal his um creation by the children of the forest in season six and of course his demise at the end of what what is it eight yeah one of those (laughs) there's the other white walkers that uh are kind of like his legion of Zombies. Uh, sidekicks. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 those aren't white walkers. The other guys that look like him are, are the other white walkers. Oh, yes. The ability to raise the dead to fight for him, those thats those are the whites. They're, they're spelled like a W-I-G-H-T, the whites. Okay. I remember in early on when the show was still following the literary material, you right. know, and it had, it had meat and bones to it, uh, right. a lot of them showing um, the threat of the whites. Right. Was was really scary. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. It had yeah, like no, a. That's one of the, one of those scenes that stick in my mind with this character is not only the look of that character. Yeah. But just there's that whole scene where Jon Snow is there and he's trying to save that one little village that he wants to join him in the fight and everything, and yeah. then all of a sudden, 
you know, the White Walkers show up and they're on that mountaintop and they're just right. falling off of that. And then the whites are falling down. And then, you know, they start taking over some of that village. He's looking behind him. He stops. He looks all the people that were in that village that died trying to fight them while others could escape. The, the, he goes out, raises his hand, and then all of them stand up. Like, that is one of those scenes that's just like, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. That, I remember that was intense. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And even in a couple of the scenes of the, towards the, in the last season where they are attacking the castle and all that stuff. At Winterfell? Winterfell, right. When they're, when they're, the, they're kind of showing that the white zombies or whatever coming, jumping out of the darkness at, right. the, at the soldiers and stuff and just taking everything. And then the way, the um, the Night King just casually just walks through. Yep. They part for him, and he yeah, walk, yeah. yeah. He has a serious. Um, well, I'm gonna use that word again. Some fucking presence. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. And I ain't talking about Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, he has that thing that we were talking about with Thanos, except it's more unspoken with the Night King. But he has that thing like, this is my destiny, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to get it done. No matter what. Right. No matter right. who's in my way, it's going to get done. Revenge, essentially. Right. It's just revenge. for. Well, I'll say this about that show. Even though it left a bad taste in my mouth at the end there. I will say that there are a few things from that show that I'll take away. Right. That I'll always remember as as good memories instead of how the show ended and left a bad memory. Um, mm-hmm. That Night King is definitely one of those highlights that every time I think of the scenes that he's in, it's all badass stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I'm happy about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway... So, of course, this is one of those things that can be an ongoing volume. Of course, if you enjoy it, definitely let us know so we'll know to proceed or cease and (laughs) And desist. (laughs) Right, yeah. Um, Yeah, because there's obviously endless amounts of um, villains we can talk about in different types of genres, too. Like I said, we we tackled fantasy genre here. Yeah, just to be geeky and, and... hopefully play into if you guys are geeks out there you'll be like oh boy they're talking about star wars or comic books <laughs> yeah, or whatever yeah right so um th- once again we want to thank you guys for checking this one out and hopefully it's a lovable yeah i was highly entertained all the way through it listening to myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure me too i was entertained by you as well so uh, i think at this moment i will um i'm gonna hit the button and end this special transmission that's right so just stay tuned 